Hello, Home Slices. Now, for the new listeners out there, I start every episode of this podcast by singing a theme song or a song from the soundtrack of the movie or TV show that I'm reviewing. Unfortunately, the movie that we're reviewing in this episode does not have an associated recognizable song. Whenever this happens, I sing the song that was number one on the Billboard Hot 100 charts on the release date of the film. Today's movie, Candyman, was released on October 16, 1992. So here's the hit that graced the number one spot for 10 weeks at the top of the Billboard charts. How could you love me and leave me and never say goodbye? Well, I can't sleep at night without holding you tight. Girl, each time I try, I just break down and cry. Pain in my head, oh, I'd rather be dead. Spinning and around and around. Although we've come to the end of the road, still. It's unnatural, you belong to me, I belong to you. Welcome to Sup Media Reviews, the podcast that never needs spoiler alerts because it takes you back in time to relive the nostalgia of classic TV shows and films that you've probably already seen. I'm your host, Kiara, and each week I'll dive into the archives to bring you my take on movies and TV shows from at least 20 years ago. From cult classics to forgotten gems, I'll review them all and give my honest opinion on their impact and whether or not they still hold up today. Join me as we revisit the iconic characters, memorable moments, and timeless themes that made these shows and films so special. So take a break from adulting and get ready for a trip down memory lane with Sup Media Reviews. What is up, Home Slices? Thanks so much for tuning into Sup Media Reviews. I'm your host, Kiara, and it's Black History Month. In February, we're going to be reviewing and celebrating Black movies and stories from four different genres, historical drama, romance, horror, and comedy. Now, two weeks ago, I reviewed the 1985 film, The Color Purple. Check out that episode. And last week, I dove into Love Jones from 1997 for Valentine's Day. But today, we're going to be focusing on a Black horror Candyman. Inspired by the short story The Forbidden, written by Clive Barker, this 1992 film features Tony Tan as the Candyman, Virginia Madsen as Helen Lyle, Xander Berkeley as Trevor Lyle, and Casey Lemons as Bernadette Walsh. Now, if you've been a listener for a while, you may recall that Kiara doesn't do scary movies. <laughs> I don't really care for them. But I do recognize that as movies age, sometimes they lose their original scary factor. And that was a major hope for me when I decided to review this film. My sister Arabia, who you may remember from her guest appearances on a number of these episodes, is a lover of scary films, and she is here once again to review Candyman with me. Say hi, Arabia. What's up, everybody? I'm back. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I'm excited to get into one of the few Black-led horror films that I can recall from my childhood. As always, here are some fun facts about the movie. The first fun fact is that the bees in this movie were bred specifically for Candyman. They needed to make sure that the bees were only 12 hours old so that they looked like mature bees, but their stingers wouldn't be powerful enough to do any real damage. Tony Todd negotiated a bonus of $1,000 for every bee sting he suffered during the film. He was stung 23 times. $23,000. That's pretty good. (laughs) For some stings. Yes. I knew about them paying him for the stings, but I didn't know that they like bred the bees. That's a lot of work. I don't know if I would have thought, I mean, if I was in charge, if I would have thought about that. (laughs) That's pretty cool. Yeah. Being an, I believe the term is apiarist, apiarist, I don't know how to pronounce it, but that's like a specific skill. Like, oh, yeah. Even some of the, I don't know if you watch any influencers who do like bee removals. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually like kind of calming. I don't <laughs> it is. I watched like Mr. and Mrs. B. I watched this couple who do it and it's, I could never do that. But when they're interesting to watch, I just hate when they don't have the little suit thing on. I'm like, how are you? How are you just letting them be all around you? <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. I agree. I have this like, or it makes me very uncomfortable when a lot of like something like a creature is together so when the bees are all crawling and it's a lot of them it makes my skin crawl I can't stand to see stuff like that or like a <laughs> snake pick it's like anything that's just oh, like yeah. crawling on top of each other and it's like hundreds oh gosh I hate it <laughs> but I still watch those videos yeah. <laughs> Yes, there's one specific lady who has a really calming voice when she talks about removing bees that I pay attention to. I don't know her name. I come across her videos every so often, but she has this really soothing voice. And of course, she doesn't wear a suit. Oh, gosh. And they spot like the queen out of all of those millions of bees. Yes. And I was like, she looked like everybody else. She's just a little bit bigger. (laughs) Uh So yeah, that's crazy. Let's move on to the second fun fact. The exterior hallway and staircase scenes were actually filmed for a few days in the infamous Cabrini Green housing projects, though the producers had to make a deal with the ruling gang members to put them in the movie as extras to ensure the cast and crew's safety during the filming. Even with this arrangement, a sniper put a bullet through the production van on the last day of filming, though no one was injured. It's never been that real to you to be on a live set. Like, that's crazy. (laughs) What the heck? I did not know that. They're like, it's cool, but put us in the... So those people that we see at the... Like, at the beginning when she walks, she's walking up there. Those are real (laughs) gang members. Presumably real gang members, yes. (laughs) I don't have a whole bunch of history on this, but for those of you listening who are not aware, there is a very infamous housing project, basically the projects, as they would be called, called Cabrini Green that were in Chicago that were super infamous for gang activity, drugs, police always over there. It's It was a bunch of stuff, you know, a bunch of poverty-stricken people who had to deal with some crazy conditions and stuff. There are documentaries and things on it if you want to look into it. They don't exist anymore. They've since been torn down. But apparently they used the real Cabrini Green <laughs> to film certain aspects of this film. So that's crazy. That's nuts. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that is crazy. All right. And the final fun fact is that Virginia Madsen, who played the lead character, Helen, was hypnotized and given a trigger phase on set for her scenes with Candyman. Madsen grew increasingly uncomfortable with this method and asked for it to be canceled. So there are certain moments where she is filming with Candyman where she's actually under hypnosis. Wow. She looks like 
when he talks to her, she does look like I'm like, oh, she just committed out to the it. role. Like she's doing really, really right. well. But no, she's literally out of it. That they going extra. They went really hard for this movie. <laughs> it's crazy. Absolutely. Yes. So yeah, that's a few little fun facts about this film. Now, if you want to check out Candyman, you can only rent it on Amazon Prime, Google Play or YouTube as of the recording of this episode. As always, if I rent a film, I like to use Amazon Prime for its IMDb x-ray feature. Now, Arabia, this is the part in the show where we talk about our personal connection to the film. What is your personal connection to Candyman, the original? The original? I remember watching it as a kid and obviously when there's something that has an urban legend it becomes a thing amongst your friends and like being at school because it's like Candyman and it was like Bloody Mary I never did it under that mess like because I was too scared <laughs> it was like I don't care if it's if it's not real but you're not gonna catch me if it is so I never mm-hmm. I never did it I never would go in the mirror and do that stuff oh my gosh like the feeling that comes over you even if you try to do it is like no don't do that and I maybe seen it once when I was younger and obviously I was scared and it was like he was creepy his voice they get a good guy because his voice was very like very like otherworldly kind of voice when he was talking and his hook and Mm -hmm. the bees and the urban legend and everyone's like oh you're gonna do it are you gonna say it so that's my connection like being a kid in school and people like trying to get you to do that Mm -mm. (laughs) (laughs) yes look so for me back when I was a child probably somewhere between seven and 10 years old, I was visiting a cousin. Now this cousin and like the family members on this cousin side of the family really love horror films. Like most of the trauma that I remember from scary films came from being at their house. (laughs) (laughs) And watching the stuff they were watching, they were super into like the sci-fi channel stuff like that. But Candyman is one of the movies that I watched at that particular cousin's house. I remember watching it intently and just having to pee so bad. Mm -hmm. And I did not want to go into the bathroom. (laughs) because That's where Candyman was. Yeah. (laughs) And so I just had to go so bad. I literally almost peed on myself because I did not want to see that man in the bathroom mirror. I had no (laughs) intentions of going in there and saying his name. I just didn't want to go in there. And finally, it just got so bad that I had to use the bathroom and relieve myself. But I was trying to hurry up and get out of there. But you know, when you hold it, that's it. You have to go longer. Right, right. (laughs) I was just in there, like, just trying to go like a racehorse, like trying to get out of there. But I literally have not watched any of the maybe like first two or three Candyman since then. I was just really kind of traumatized by it. (laughs) So I don't remember most of like the history of Candyman. I have seen maybe some of the sequels and I did see the one that came out in 2021. So my connection to this film is mostly being horrified. (laughs) A different part of my connection though, is that as a black person, there are not very many horror movies for my childhood that feature like a black villain or monster. Mm-hmm. Like it's hard enough to find a movie where a black person doesn't die right away. <laughs> like, <laughs> like let alone, you know, be the villain in the movie. So Arabia, are there any black horror stories that come to mind to you from your childhood? Oh my goodness. That feature a black villain? A black villain? No, I think of Candyman. I can't think, I can't even think of a current one. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm talking my head. I don't, I don't know of a recent, like, horror, like, other than them remaking Candyman, but, like, another scary, I'm sure there is, but. The only ones that really come to mind for me, there's Vampire in Brooklyn, which oh, featured okay. Eddie Murphy. Is that scary? Also... I haven't seen that in a long time. <laughs> 
it comes across as a joke almost, yeah. but it, it is a black vampire, so okay. we'll give it to him. There's Tales from the Hood, okay, yeah. which is more of an anthology, but is black-centered horror. I never saw this movie, but there's Bones that had Snoop Dogg in it. Oh, I've never seen that. I've never seen it either, but he was a villain in that. There's also the movie that Aaliyah made before she passed away, Queen of the Damned. Okay. Yeah. I never saw that movie either, so I guess, but she is technically a vampire and a villain in that one. I don't know that you can count Blade because he's more like a superhero. Yeah. But it was kind of scary, though. <laughs> At least the monsters. <laughs> I actually have never seen oh Blade. Oh, my God. Really? So. <laughs> oh, goodness. Those... So there really are only a handful. And when you said, like, I can't even think of one today, I'm like, girl, you're absolutely right. Like, I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around. Mm-mm. More like. No villains. I mean, there's been like some more scary movies with black people, like Jordan Peele's doing his thing with that, mm-hmm. which he made the other Candyman. No, because I've seen, I've seen all the Candymans, all the sequels and the newest one. The sequels, they're not that great. <laughs> not even gonna <laughs> try. They're, they get more crazier, but then they try to get more into the story and like how he actually came to be and it just gets weirder and it's always a white woman in the we're gonna talk about it (laughs) we're gonna talk about it (laughs) and the the new we're gonna talk about it (laughs) so i can't think of nothing else yeah i don't know for me even though this story is based on a story written by a white person the writer and director of this movie is a white person it is one of the very few kind of like black representations of a villain that i can recall mm-hmm. from being younger there's something to be said for that whether that's good or bad is up to you <laughs> <laughs> but i just i hate the erasure of black people from the horror genre mm-hmm. because black people know horror like we just we <laughs> we know horror okay but fortunately there is some turning of the tide with that like you said jordan peele is doing his thing you know holding up the mantle for black horror films mm-hmm. we also had the black sci-fi series on hbo lovecraft country mm-hmm. so there are some things happen in that arena and i'm just hoping we can keep it up so yeah i'm happy that that gap is being filled but i'm super excited for us to get into this movie so let's chat i'm really trying to think of current movies <laughs> <laughs> good luck <laughs> Okay, so we are in the opening scene of this movie. We see an aerial shot of the city of Chicago. And in the opening credits, we learn that this movie is based on a story called The Forbidden by Clive Barker. Now, I have not read that short story, but apparently it was based in the UK and is focused on classism. Bernard Rose, who is the writer and director of Candyman, reimagined the story with racism instead. So in this opening scene, we hear the voice of the Candyman and he says something like, what's blood for if not for shedding? Like he sounds creepy and kind of delighted in his like murderous brutality. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And then we see this image of like bees covering the city. So already it's a little weird. Apparently that aerial shot of Chicago was supposed to be like some type of groundbreaking technology because they had never been able to get really smooth aerial shots of the city before. Who knows? But next up, we see the face of Helen Lyle, who is kind of our main character. And we hear a story that a lady tells her about a girl named Clara. And so we get this kind of flashback. 
Clara is this young white girl who's babysitting an infant in Moses Lake, Indiana. And Clara invites over a bad boy named Billy to the house that she's babysitting at once the baby is asleep. So Clara invites Billy into the bathroom and asks him if he knows the legend of Candyman, the hooked villain who will appear when you say his name five times in the mirror. She asks if he wants to try saying it and he doesn't hesitate. (laughs) (laughs) He says it four times and then she tells him to go downstairs because she has a surprise for him. Clara, who's still in the bathroom, says it the fifth time in the mirror and Candyman kills her and the baby that she was watching, according to the person who's telling the story. Surprise! (laughs) (laughs) Billy, who is downstairs, sees blood dripping from the ceiling where Clara was killed and is reported to have gone crazy after the experience of seeing her dead body and is also reported that his hair turned white after experiencing that. And so the flashback ends and we see that a young woman is telling this story to Helen Lyle. So we're already learning more about the legend of who Candyman is. In the next scene, we see a black lady who we eventually learned later is named Bernadette, finishing up what appears to be a different interview about the Candyman. So we basically find out that Helen and Bernadette are doing like academic research on the Candyman. What do you think about this project that they're doing? I don't know what they're trying to achieve with this project. I don't know. It's like, I wonder where they got Candyman from. from the, oh, I guess they talked to him and they were just doing urban legends. But it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of interesting, but I would never go to where she goes eventually to get information. I don't know. She doesn't think the best, yeah. make the best choices to further her research. And I mean, a lot of people do that, but not me. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the world of being an academic is very different than I think other lines of work. And so I think the idea is they're going to put together a research paper. And if they get enough acclaim, they can do more research, maybe become professors. We don't hear a lot about what their actual aspirations are. We just know. (laughs) Just kind of writing a paper, an academic paper about this particular urban legend. So we see that they are at the University of Illinois in Chicago and Helen enters a classroom where a professor is teaching a lesson on folklore and urban legends. Helen goes up to the professor, Trevor, who happens to be her husband. Now there's a cutesy little college student named Stacy that the professor is a little too friendly with. Mm -hmm. And when Helen asks about it, He's like, nothing is going on with her. But what's really bothering Helen is that her husband went back on his word. He wasn't supposed to teach this class on folklore until the next semester because Helen and Bernadette are working on their thesis, which involves interviewing freshmen. So my thought is that if the students are learning about folklore and kind of like dispelling the myths or debunking some of those myths or urban legends, it could influence the interviews that they get from the freshmen. Mm-hmm. So it's actually like inhibiting their research. That's what I got from them. <laughs> but Trevor basically says, you know, don't be mad at me. I can't stop the kids from learning just so you and Bernadette can write a paper. And I'm like, already Trevor comes across as a butthole. Yes. And I don't trust him. in this next scene helen is transcribing her interview in an empty classroom with an older black lady comes in she's a janitor to clean the class when she hears the recording of the interview she says that she knows the legend of Candyman, and he lives over in cabrini green which again is a an infamous housing project 
point. Kitty, another janitor, has a cousin who lives in Cabrini Green and she comes into the room to tell Helen a story of a woman in a tub in Cabrini Green who heard someone breaking through the walls in her apartment. She calls the police twice and they don't believe her. So when the police finally arrive, the woman, whose name is Ruthie Jean, is dead and has been slashed with a hook. What do you think about this crazy story? I, I like that he was she was like, oh, my friend. Oh, my friend's cousin said that this happened. I thought that, that was kind of funny. But and she was like, I don't know nothing about that, though. <laughs> like, that's how she ended. Right. But it's yes. crazy. It's like someone's breaking into my apartment. And they're like, ah, oh, you, you, don't worry about it. You'll be fine. And then she gets killed. Like, oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks. She'll be all right. She wasn't, in fact, all right. Yeah. It gets pretty nuts. Also, if somebody was coming through my walls, I wouldn't be there when they came through personally. Right. Get out of the tub. (laughs) Yes. But Helen starts to do some research on this story. Well, for whatever reason, those two ladies, the two black lady janitors came across as very real to Mm -hmm. me. I don't know. They came across as like not actors. Like these are literally ladies telling about the case. Right. They did a good job. But Helen does some research to kind of follow up with what the ladies told her. And she uses microfilm. Arabia, did you recognize that technology (laughs) that she was using to look up the articles? No. (laughs) (laughs) I believe it's called microfilm, but it was basically back in the day when people would scan images of old newspapers and things. And you would literally kind of have to use a, I believe it was like some type of knob that you used to scroll through the things. And you would have to literally kind of manually scroll through the newspapers to find what you were looking for. Mm, I've seen that on other movies. I just never in real life. (laughs) life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that technology was just like, the internet was pretty much being invented by the time I was able to use it or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that technology was on its way out the door. But uh, I was like, mm, this is all y'all. But she <laughs> uses the microfilm to find the article about Ruthie Jean, along with other articles about there being 21 unsolved murders in the area. Helen and Bernadette are now at Helen's apartment where they have this super confusing conversation about Helen's apartment. Did you grasp what they were talking about in that conversation? About the apartment and how it was supposed to be like another project building? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like she was saying, there was supposed to be another project building but the way that they said why they didn't turn into it i was like what but basically right like, it's a nice area and it has a good view of the city so they that's why they didn't turn that particular one so they could sell it for like a lot because it has like a good view of whatever and the other place had like a highway in front of it so it didn't that's why they turned mm-hmm. that one into a project and then when she points out how yeah. similar the the layouts are and then she shows her the cabinet how the cabinet comes out of the wall i was like what kind of design is this you want to sell this to someone where literally the neighbor could come through the wall how did that I know it was gonna be a project I guess y'all didn't care but like maybe eventually fix that problem I don't know (laughs) before you started selling it to like nicer like a nicer area I don't know yeah basically everything you said but for whatever reason the way they were talking about it the conversation was pretty much confusing to me (laughs) but everything you said basically happened she's in a super nice apartment and because of where it is they figured that instead of it being you know affordable housing that we can make a whole bunch of money off of it and so now it's more luxury apartments and again helen's apartment is even shown to be connected to an adjacent apartment via the medicine cabinet in the bathroom which is low-key kind of crazy so right as the ladies are there you know after this discovery helen and bernadette proceed to say Candyman in helen's bathroom mirror since neither of them really believe in the legend helen says it five times but bernadette only says it four Because she's a smart lady. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But interestingly enough, nothing happens right away. 
Right. Helen goes to sleep and awakes when she hears a noise. And then we see a man fly onto the bed. <laughs> but it's Trevor, her husband. And he scared Helen and me. That was a little bit of a jump scare for me. <laughs> but we obviously see that Helen is like a little bit on edge. Now, we'll talk about this more later, but I was trying to figure out, like, why didn't Helen get attacked right away? Like, whenever the Candyman thing happens, it's pretty immediate. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we only partially get an answer to that, but we, we can talk about that later. Yeah. It's the next day, and Helen and Bernadette are heading to the hood to explore <laughs> the legend of the Candyman. <laughs> <sighs> Bernadette has a taser and pepper spray. <laughs> Like, Bernadette what are you like, doing with that arsenal? Like, <laughs> 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 and Helen is just showing her, what's the word? Audacity. <laughs> yeah, she's like, it's gonna be fine. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and Bernadette is like, girl, you know how dangerous this neighborhood is. And you made me dress up like this. We look like cops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they are dressed up in fairly nice clothing. It's going to make them stand out like sore thumbs. And the fact that Helen is white, of course, she's going to stick out like a sore thumb anyway. Yeah. So Bernadette is rightfully so more kind of cautious. Not cautious enough because I wouldn't have gone. I, I promise you. <laughs> I think the the piece of it is I don't think Bernadette could let Helen go there alone. Mm -mm. They're not just, you know, colleagues. They appear to be friends as yeah. well. So I don't think she wanted her friend to go alone, which is a good friend. But they, <laughs> Helen does this weird kind of pep talk to talk about how bold they need to be to get a great basis for their paper on urban legends. And she's like, if we were men, would we be second questioning, you know, you know, questioning ourselves? And so she kind of gets Bernadette to come around on it. So they make it to the housing project and the local neighborhood guys do some catcalling. They ask them a whole bunch of questions. They alert the neighborhood that the police are there. <laughs> <laughs> and so for whatever reason, Helen believes that this is enough cover for them to be able to kind of roam around freely because nobody will want to mess with them because they think they're police officers, I guess. I don't know. But they head up and they take pictures of the graffitied walls, specifically a piece that's on the wall that reads Sweets to the Sweet. A young Vanessa Williams, not the one you're thinking of, the other <laughs> Vanessa Williams, <laughs> uses a large dog to scare the women away. Now, the ladies find the apartment where Ruthie Jean was murdered, which is nearby the one where Vanessa Williams' character is, and they find a hole behind the medicine cabinet wall. This hole is huge because a person fit through it. Right. And she took her happy ass and was like, I'm going to go see. I'm going to go see what's on the other side. First off, I'm not climbing through any hole. Mm -mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not climbing through no hole in the wall, let alone one where there's a murderous urban legend. Anybody got time for that. But anyways, the hole behind the medicine cabinet, they find it. Helen's crazy behind, crawls through the <laughs> hole to take pictures. And Bernadette is like, you got five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Helen comes across artwork of Candyman with a hole for a mouth and a bunch of candies on the ground with razor blades in them. Helen ends up running out of film while she's taking these photos. And she wants to go back to the car to get more film so they can come back and take more pictures. And Bernadette is like, nah, we got to go. No. <laughs> we need to get out of here. Okay. Yeah. And so they're leaving the area and they have to pass by the lady's apartment again. And her character's name is Anne-Marie McCoy. And so as they're leaving, they get scared when Anne-Marie confronts them about their presence in Ruthie Jean's apartment. They ask if they could talk to her. 
and they go to her apartment where her baby is crying. Now, Anne-Marie's apartment is actually quite nice. What did you think of her apartment? Yeah, like the apartment is covered head to toe in graffiti, the outside, the hallways. So when you open her apartment, you kind of like go into a different area, like a different setting, pretty much. It's just a nice mm -hmm. apartment, you know, with furniture and she's clean and it's just like a regular person lives there and not like decrepit or junky or messy like the outside is. So it's pretty yeah. decent. Yeah. I think it's a, supposed to show this juxtaposition of like everyone who lives in Cabrini Green isn't involved in the kind of illicit activities that the area is known for. Mm -hmm. She's just like a young struggling mom that's trying to do the best that she can for her baby. And she just can't afford to live anywhere else right now. And so the little baby's name is Anthony. And Anne-Marie is just a young mom trying to make it. And she's really wary of when white folks come around. It's like, mm, when white folks be over here, like, it don't always turn out very good for us. And so she switches to talking about Ruthie Jean and how she could hear her screaming and how she's afraid that no one is ever going to catch the Candyman. So he's kind of been doing a number on this neighborhood and kind of terrorizing them. What do you think about Candyman's relationship to this community? He has them all in fear. It's like in fear. And then also like, are they going to like, no one's going to really believe them about him in the same way. Because it's kind of, once we go further along, we figure out things. But it's like, we're kind of like, is this a person? Or is this not a person? Like, what, what's really going on? And then obviously all of them are aware of him and are kind of scared. And like, she was like, said she was the one who called and they didn't come. And so we didn't really have any defense against him. Yeah, I find it a little bit strange at how menacing he is mm -hmm. to this community. But yeah, I kind of don't get it a little bit. <laughs> like, as the story of Candyman evolves, like, once we get to 2021 Candyman, his relationship to that community feels different. Or his relationship to, I guess, the Black community overall feels different. Mm -hmm. But in this particular movie, he's, like, very menacing and brutal to the community. That changes over time. It's a little weird to me. But later on... Bernadette, Helen, Troy, and two other men are having dinner at a restaurant and everybody is smoking. I don't know what it is about these early 90s movies or whatever. Everybody is smoking. Oh, yeah. In the when restaurant. Does smoking not become okay? <laughs> yes. And don't nobody want to smell that and be around that all the time. I don't know when the big like change was like, hey, secondhand smoke is just as bad. Like, I don't know when that happened, but I was watching a few early 90s movies and I'm like, everybody is smoking. Like, that would annoy me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they're all up in the restaurant smoking. And one of the guys who is there at the dinner, his last name is Purcell, and he is a professor or academic, and he is asking to review their research. He comes across as being very pompous. Yes. And it turns out that he's already written a paper on Candyman 10 years ago. And so he kind of laughs at the ladies because I guess he's feeling like, you know, I did that so 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> like, where do you all think that you're going to go with, you know, writing your paper? What else are you going to find out? Like, because the ladies kind of say like, oh, we're going to throw it in your face, like with, you know, the way that we've gotten in the community and gotten like the behind the scenes stuff. And he's like, I did that 10 years ago. I actually know the real legend. And the ladies, of course, didn't know the history. So there's a lot of misogyny, yeah. I guess, in higher education academics, which is very interesting because when it comes to like grade school, women are the primary teachers. But then when you get to higher academics, the gender dynamics flip a little bit and it's mostly male professors. Yeah. So that's a little weird. But anyways... He laughs at the ladies because they don't know everything that they're talking about. And apparently the legend of Candyman dates back to 1890. We find out a number of things that I did not recall about Candyman. Candyman was the son of a slave. 
And Candyman's father got rich by creating a device for mass producing shoes after the Civil War. So Candyman actually was a privileged black boy in the late 1800s. And he had a talent for painting portraits for people. He got commissioned by a wealthy landowner to paint his daughter's portrait. But Candyman and the white daughter, of course, fell in love and the daughter became pregnant. The landowner paid some hoodlums to attack Candyman. They chased him to Cabrini Green, sawed off his right hand with a rusty blade, and smeared his naked body in honeycomb, allowing the bees to sting him to death. Then they burned his body and sprinkled the ashes all across Cabrini Green. If that's not overkill... <laughs> so like, much. Oh my God. I don't know what is. Cutting off his hand, slathering him in the honey, burning him, and then throwing... <laughs> throwing the ashes i was like there's no wonder what he's gonna turn into because that was too much yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes i think the, the most surprising thing for me was finding out that candy man actually was like i guess from a rich family yeah i forgot about that part i feel like it shouldn't surprise me but it did yeah i forgot about that part i remember something i thought he was a slave but i forgot that he was the son of a slave so i didn't know about the rich part. yeah but the other movies get into the more details of that what's crazy is that later on they add this element of like new orleans right right that's what i'm saying they get to new orleans at some point and it's like it didn't even happen i think it didn't even happen there it happened in new orleans i can't remember exactly yeah they kind of just change up the yeah story. they completely like change it and involve a like a family of like white women and then it's i don't know if it's the family he from the story or what i can't remember because i haven't seen I, that was years ago i watched all of them yeah. But then in 2021, they make it seem like Candyman is like almost a recurring situation. Like Candyman happened once in New Orleans and then once in Cabrini Green. And like, it's not necessarily the same urban legend. It's like a black man ends up getting murdered in like this horrific way in certain places. And a Candyman urban legend is created multiple times throughout history. Right. Because I was like, I can't remember in 2021, didn't he like become Candyman, the character right yeah they just kind of do all kinds of stuff throughout the, all of the movies right it's, it's crazy they kind of do whatever they want but <laughs> let's let's get back to this story so yeah they kill him in a very awful way and he eventually becomes the Candyman. so helen at some point comes back to cabrini green by herself like a dumb dumb <laughs> this is okay this is what i want to point out so many stories and horror stories, and I don't know if this can ever really apply to real life, but in a lot of horror stories or stories where bad things happen to people, there's this major kind of lack of respect for the local legends. Mm -hmm. And people treat like townspeople who believe in urban legends like they're just stupid and don't know <laughs> what they're talking about. And I'm like, why can't you all just respect like the local lore and local legend because like even in the movie that i reviewed with dad which one was that the one at the camp friday the 13th yeah mm -hmm. like the was it the first young lady who got killed in that movie disregarded what the townsfolk told her about that camp and she ended up getting killed and it's like girl listen to the listen. locals they, <laughs> they have survived thus far you right need to <laughs> listen to the locals and so i think the combination of helen being this audacious white lady on top of the fact that she said Candyman five times in the mirror and nothing happened to her mm -hmm. also on top of the fact that she's an academic who is super focused on like disproving and debunking urban legends is that she kind of has lost a sense of like reverence and respect for the actual local legend yeah, because when she talked to the lady Anne-Marie and she was like, 
you shouldn't be here. Y'all shouldn't be like around here. <laughs> Basically, it's not her. It's not a good idea. But yeah, like, Helen, of course, goes back to Karina Green alone to take more pictures because, again, she had run out of film. So she climbed through that hole in the girl. That little hole in the wall, I called it Candyman's lair. It's actually very creepy. <laughs> it is just his face, like the mirror of his face and his mouth uh-huh. being the hole. And she was like, this is it. So she went back again, got some more pictures. I was like, oh. Mm-mm. Yeah. Well, she wanted to have an additional conversation with Anne-Marie, but Anne-Marie was not there. But outside of Anne-Marie's apartment was a little boy named Jake who was sitting in the hallway. Jake is probably, what, eight Maybe, yeah. maybe a little younger, but he just looked like a bad little kid, you know, <laughs> talk to her a little bit. And he's like, I don't even want to talk about Candyman. But Helen manipulates him right. into showing her where Candyman is by saying that she hopes he's not too scared. And it's like, Helen, you're better than this. <laughs> Leave this child out of it. I don't know. He was like, I'm right. not scared. I'll show you. And it's like, right. Mm. And then I feel like a number of things that we would consider inappropriate happen so not only does she manipulate this child into doing something that he doesn't want to do she also tells him it'll be our little secret and like i'll keep you out of it and it's like adults shouldn't have those kind of conversations <laughs> with kids she never says where's your parents because that's what have been my first and i'm like where, yes. where are your parents at where are you supposed to be right she really only kind of cares about the story mm-hmm. and i don't like her relationship with jake in that way it comes across as a little inappropriate and mm-hmm. like she's taking advantage of him yeah but they end up walking past this large pile of flammable materials for a bonfire that becomes important later jake tells helen that the candy man is in a small building of bathrooms in the local area where a mentally challenged kid was mutilated there while his mom was in the store across the way apparently this little boy had to use the bathroom while his mom was checking out of the store and she's like just go ahead and run to the bathroom like while i finish checking out and people heard screams And when a man went to check out the screams, he went into the bathroom. And when he came out, his hair turned white, which is the second time we're hearing Mm -hmm. that element of the legend. And this story was particularly brutal. I don't even think I can say what actually happened to the boy because of how brutal it was. But yeah, it was awful. The child did end up dying. But what Candyman did to the child was like particularly awful. But like, why? I was like, why did he do that? Like... He could have done anything else. That was weird. I don't know. It was supposed to be like a shock yes. factor for the movie or what. <laughs> I was like, right. Okay. I was like, first off, by this point in the story, Candyman has already killed a number of people mm-hmm. of different races, including, if we believe the legend at the beginning of the story, a little white baby <laughs> from mm-hmm. Indiana. And now a lady in a bathtub and now a young mentally challenged child. And he just comes across as being like particularly cruel. I didn't understand why they had to make that child die in that particular way. It was unnecessary, I think. But anyways, Helen decides to enter this awful stinking bathroom to take pictures. And it took me a minute to understand what was (laughs) going on. But Helen's reaction is like, this bathroom smells awful. And it's because the phrase sweets to the sweet is written on the wall in what appears to be poop. And it's like- Who did that? First off, ill. (laughs) Second off, is this what you think of our community? (laughs) We're just writing stuff on the walls and poop. It just is awful. She goes through the bathrooms and in the final stall, the toilet is is filled with bees. And so she closes the toilet real quick because, of course, it's full of bees. And outside, 
Jake sees someone and calls him Candyman. And so this man enters the bathroom and Helen is like, okay, I'm gonna get out of your way. But then three additional men enter the room and that first guy is in a long black coat and shows that he's holding a hook in his right hand. So when Helen tries to leave, one of the men holds her from behind and she's like, you know, this is really stupid. My colleagues are expecting me. And the man with the hook says, I heard you were looking for Candyman, B. Well, you found him. And he hits her in the face with the hook. And then the men leave kind of laughing. And when Jake enters the bathroom, he finds her on the floor bleeding. What is happening? What is- I was like, this wasn't smart. Like, you know, you got your community scared. But this is some white lady you don't beat up. And you think like she's gonna be like, oh, I'm gonna just go home. Like, <laughs> That wasn't smart. That was crazy. And she, this is why she shouldn't have been there. But they... As the criminals, they are really criminal correctly. <laughs> I don't understand what the writer is saying about this community. <laughs> this community is absolutely right in their belief of this urban legend. Mm-hmm. Because we know as the viewers that this urban legend is real. But just some of the ways that this community is portrayed just doesn't feel right to me. <laughs> Smearing poop on the walls, attacking random white ladies. Just because they're white ladies. I don't know. I, it's, it's not whatever. It's whatever. Anyways. So in a quick change of scene, a number of men are in a lineup saying the same line from when Helen got attacked. I heard you were looking for Candyman. The culprit is actually in the lineup. And then we see Helen's left eye, which is swollen shut. She mm-hmm. looked awful. She did. But that makakeup was good. It was. It was. It looked really yeah. real. That big old black eyes. It did. Yes. It looked awful. She ended up identifying the guy who was number five as the person who attacked her. And the detective tells her that he believes that the culprit also killed Ruthie Jean and the kid from the bathroom. And this was an element of the story that I really didn't remember. The officer tells her that they could never pin point or get the charges on this particular guy because nobody would come forward to testify. And this is the part in the story where I was like, okay, this actually makes a little bit of sense to me. So what I'm gathering from this situation is that Helen or Helen's testimony is basically saying that Candyman isn't real. It was just this guy with the hook terrorizing the town. Yeah, using the myth to scare them. And he's actually a real person. And so in this way, the myth of Candyman is becoming less strong Mm -hmm. because everything that they would have blamed on Candyman or rightfully blamed on Candyman is now being attributed to this real like human. Right. So when Helen (laughs) leaves that interrogation room or whatever, she talks to Jake and she thanks him because he, of course, alerted the police or whatever to there's a white lady that was attacked <laughs> in the bathroom. And he's like, I want to go home. You said that this was supposed to be between me and you. I wasn't finna get involved with the police. Now I'm here down at the police station. I just want to go home. Right. <laughs> Jake is just not happy, right? And he's like, oh, Candyman is going to get me now. Like he's legit afraid that Candyman is going to get me. And so Helen tells him, look, Candyman isn't real. The man that attacked me just used the legend to, you know, scare the community or whatever. And now that he's locked up, we all good, right? You don't got to worry about Candyman no more, right? And so 
In the next scene, I don't know how much time has passed because homegirl's eye is much better. Yeah. <laughs> but Trevor <laughs> Trevor comes home to a romantic dinner. Helen's eye, it looks better. It's not swollen anymore, but it's very red. I don't know. Her, like, iris is red. Mm-hmm. Trevor's attitude, of course, is a little weird. You can tell something is up. Yeah. He doesn't seem really excited about this kind, romantic gesture. Mm-hmm. But it's obvious that they're teeing him up to be killed. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's been a butthole this whole movie. Yeah. And at this point, we still don't have an explanation of why Katie Mann hasn't gotten this lady. Right. Because we can assume that maybe at least a couple weeks has passed since she said his name in the mirror. So in the next scene, Bernadette and Helen meet up, which I'm assuming is the next day. And Helen points out that two black folks got brutally murdered in Cabrini Green and no one cared. But a white lady got attacked and the cops locked the whole (laughs) project down Mm -hmm. to find who attacked her. So she is aware of the kind of racial disparity, but she has benefited from her privilege. The fact that she's still alive. And so Bernadette surprised Helen with some of the photos that she took. Helen's camera got smashed when she was attacked, but a developer friend of Bernadette saved some of the pictures for her. Bernadette also said that because of this situation that happened with Helen, publishers are interested in publishing their research because Helen actually made the news. And so if you can think about like this lady is in the hood dispelling urban legends and she gets attacked, like that's going to look really good for, <laughs> for a paper. And so as Helen is about to exit an empty parking garage, a well-dressed man approaches her and calls her name. He's pretty far away at this point and she can't really see him. But without moving his lips, he tells Helen that he came for her. It's Candyman. (laughs) And Helen starts getting flashbacks of that large painting of Candyman with like his mouth open. Mm -hmm. Helen becomes almost entranced and she's probably hypnotized in this particular scene. And she ends up dropping a few tears. And Candyman said, you aren't content with the stories. So I showed up. He asked her to be his victim and he says that he must shed innocent blood. What do you think of this scene? It was like kind of romantic as well. Like the way he was talking to her, he was like, be my victim. Be. Come on. You want to be my victim? That was like how he was talking to her. And she was like, well, obviously he has her in some type of a trance and she's just like looking at him kind of like, okay, I'll be your victim. Like, I'll do it. I didn't, when he first called her name and she was like, who is that? She kind of said that really <laughs> nice. I was like, girl, this is some hooded fear, like dark, you can't see him in the back. You better go. I'd have been like, I don't know that person. I'm going to go. She's like, who is that over there? She says it like twice. And I was like, uh-uh, yeah. you responding right. So when I was doing research for like the trivia piece, the director talked about how he didn't want people to view <laughs> he didn't want people to view Candyman as like this brutal murderer or whatever. He was talking about the literally like the romantic elements of, you know, the Candyman and how in a way he like seduces his victim. In this particular instance, more so Helen, I guess, than any other character. Okay. But he wanted him to be like a, a Phantom of the Opera kind of depiction. And I didn't pick up on those elements or anything until after I had read that. And I was like, this is weird. (laughs) Like, this is very odd. One of the things that I found really odd was how well-dressed he was. I don't know that I remembered like he had the long coat. Yeah. He had nice shoes on. I just remember the long coat. I don't. Rem- I don't remember the rest of the clothing pieces. But yeah, he also said that he must shed innocent blood, and it's like I'm. I don't get it. <laughs> well, dude, what are you talking about? Why? Right. But in this next scene, crazy. <laughs> this next scene, <laughs> Helen blacked out at some point, and she wakes up 
She's on the bathroom floor of Anne Marie's apartment and Anne Marie is screaming and crying. I was so sick of hearing her screaming and crying <sighs> at that point. I was like, please, somebody get the lady. Helen is covered in blood, but she is not injured. She's um, and she in opens it. It the was bath- everywhere and was like, I've yes. never seen anyone, any blood situation. So I was like, this is so mm-hmm. much blood. She had a coat over her when she woke up. So I was like, who tucked her in? What the heck is that? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that was my thought. Yeah. But she's covered in blood. She's not hurt. And when she opens the bathroom door, she finds that Anne-Marie's big Rottweiler has been decapitated with a butcher knife and that baby Anthony is missing. She goes for the butcher knife. She sees it for like a second. She immediately picks it up. I don't know. She was like, I need a weapon, I guess. But I was like, why the heck did she pick that up? That was crazy. Yeah, it felt a little strange. But if I woke up with a bunch of blood around me, I might think I was being attacked too. So maybe. I was like, (laughs) Don't Perhaps I would grab it. <laughs> yeah, it, it was very weird. Also, that dog's head was so. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was very funny. <laughs> that was funny too. <laughs> But yeah, Helen, like you said, picks up the butcher knife and ends up getting attacked by Anne Marie as she thinks Helen has killed her dog and maybe even her baby. Her baby's missing. I'm trying to figure out what was Anne Marie doing for her baby to be missing. Right. Where did he go? I was just thinking, like, how did this all happen? How did she get into this house? And like, what did Anne Marie let her in? Was she there? And then she approached Anne Marie. I mean, I guess she's disoriented. And she's like, what's going on? But she doesn't approach her in a way because with the butcher knife in her hand and the blood over her, I'd have been like, okay, yeah, you're crazy. Maybe she's like, what's going on what she should have more i don't know right and so helen ends up having to use the butcher knife to defend herself against Anne marie and she cuts Anne marie's arm which immediately starts spurting blood and it's like what the <laughs> <That's heck>? so <laughs> big. It, was, it was bad it was just like a, <laughs> the way she hits her and it's like, <laughs> like okay <laughs> Yes. And so when right as Helen is over Anne Marie with the butcher knife in her hand, the police enter. And so Helen gets arrested and ends up down at the precinct having to get disrobed in front of a lady cop. Turns out that the actress, Virginia Madsen, got another actor friend of her to play that cop because she didn't want to disrobe in front of like any of the other actors. So Mm. she actually knew the lady that she was disrobing in front of. But Anne-Marie eventually showers and gets interrogated by the same detective from earlier who tells her that she is under arrest. The officer tells her what appears to have happened. And Helen is like, I don't know where the baby is. I just blacked out and woke up there. I don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And so Helen makes a phone call to her empty home. And she has to leave a message on the voicemail. And it's three o'clock in the morning and her husband isn't home. Suspicious. Suspicious. He hasn't come looking for her. (laughs) Right. So while she's in her cell, Helen, who is getting way too close to this toilet, sees (laughs) flashes of Candyman who has the baby in his lair. So now she's also having visions, which that's new. Mm -hmm. Trevor finally does show up the next morning with the lawyer and she leaves the jail through a flurry of paparazzi taking pictures. They're trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, the lawyer says that, you know, the only reason you're here now is because they haven't found the body of the baby. So they can't really prove that she did anything to the child. When the lawyer asks what happened to her, she's like, I literally blacked out and woke up at Anne Marie's. I literally don't know what the (laughs) heck is going on. How do you think she got there? I don't really know how it works. Somehow or another, Candyman got her there, got her, influenced her to get there. I don't know if she broke into the apartment or Anne-Marie let her in. Because I was like, like you said, where was Anne-Marie for the baby to go missing? So I want to assume, because like, why would the baby be in the apartment by themselves? Like, why would she go in there and then like, oh, 
he butchered the freaking dog and then he took the baby. But then where was Anne Marie? So I, I don't know. Did he use the hole behind the medicine cabinet? Oh, right. It's possible. I don't know. It's unexplained. Yeah. (laughs) How did it really play out? I'm confused. It's unexplained. But anyways, in the next scene, Helen is in the tub and Trevor comes in the bathroom saying he needs to leave for a few minutes and ask her if she needs anything. When Helen asked Trevor where he was the previous night and why she had to leave a message at three o'clock in the morning, Trevor lies and says that he was asleep and he assumed that Helen was with Bernadette. Now, Helen decides to review the photos that she took that Bernadette had gotten developed using, I don't even know what this machine is called. <laughs> <laughs> don't ask pre- Some type of projector that she inserts the things into. It reminds me of those viewers. Do you know what I'm talking about? There oh, used yeah. To be like the little viewers that you would put the film in oh, and then you would click it, click it and it yeah. would change scenes. Yeah, it's basically mm-hmm. like a big one of those. But she projects the images onto the wall. And in a particular photo, she sees Candyman in the reflection of the bathroom mirror from Ruthie Jean's house. And so she gets curious for whatever reason. I think that she still doesn't realize that Candyman is real. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even though she's interacted with him. She curiously, I would have no curiosity. She goes (laughs) to her bathroom mirror and suddenly a hooked hand comes through the medicine cabinet. Jump scare. I'm (laughs) (laughs) eating. That scared me. So when the hand comes through the mirror, she tries to leave the apartment, but then she sees Candyman in the hallway and he's saying all of these weird romantic things. Believe in me, be my Mm -hmm. victim. And so she runs back into the apartment where she tries to call the police, but he is there in the apartment with her. He says that he has baby Anthony and if she doesn't become his victim, that he'll kill the baby in her place. And I'm like, why didn't you kill her earlier? Like, what do you mean? (laughs) Yes. Why is she still alive? Right. You wanted to be your victim, but you haven't done that. So you're just like torturing her or trying to get the more scare out. I don't know. But yeah. Yeah. But then he says that her disbelief destroyed the faith of his congregation. So by getting that guy with the hook arrested, people didn't believe the legend anymore. And he needs the people to fear him and believe in him. So the problem I have is that even before... She did any of that stuff. He could have killed her in the bathroom when she said it five times and his congregation would still believe. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Would still believe in him. So to me, like the story is not 100% adding up. In the moment, I'm like, okay, I get why he would want people to continue to believe in him. Because I feel like in a lot of regions, that's where urban legends get their power. Like if nobody believes in an urban legend anymore, it's not really that powerful. So. It makes sense to me that he would want to regain that power and get people to believe in him again. Mm-hmm. But I just am like, just kill her already. Like, <laughs> I'll believe that. Like, <laughs> right. Because it's like, he actually like love her? And once that's when the weird stuff comes in. They're like, I don't know what's going on. Right. And then he says, come with me and be immortal. And then right. he uses his hook to cut her neck. And then just then, as this whole interaction is happening, Bernadette comes to Helen's door. And Helen, who is spooked and is cut in the neck and everything, tries to tell Bernadette to leave. But Bernadette kind of is hearing, like, what's going on. So Bernadette enters the apartment and ends up being killed by Candyman. So Trevor comes home with this shocked and horrified look on his face to find Helen on the kitchen floor with a knife in her hand and Bernadette is dead. 
And Helen blacks out again only to wake up in her bed being drugged. Helen is in handcuffs and when she leaves her bedroom, you know, trying to escape from the police, she finds a bluish gray Bernadette (laughs) slash and laying on the floor in a pool of blood. Girl, did you see what they did to Bernadette? How long has she been dead? Like, right. Cool. She looked like Squidward. She yeah. so <laughs> Her skin color was so bad. And I was like, this is why they can't put black people in these horror movies because they don't get the makeup right. Like, <laughs> she looked like she had been mummified. Like, she, yeah. like she had been there a long time. And it's like, girl, this, this just happened. happened. <laughs> I was like, y'all don't have to do Bernadette like that. And Bernadette's a very pretty lady. I love her curly hair. Yeah. But they did Bernadette wrong with the makeup. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, at this point, Trevor don't know WTF is going on. He thought the whole baby thing with the dog was a misunderstanding. But now he comes home to find, you know, that Helen has a knife in her hand and her best friend has been slashed from the window to the wall. So (laughs) Trevor don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Trevor don't know what's going on. Helen is being transported to what we think is the jail or what I thought was the jail. And she's being entranced by Candyman's voice again, who again is doing this weird seduction where he's telling her that his condition of being an urban legend is like pretty neat. He's like, hey, like people believe in me. It's pretty cool. <laughs> so weird. It's like, come on, what do you think of it? Don't you want to be a part of it? And it's like, why did you kill her? <laughs> And so Trevor starts walking with Helen. She's on a stretcher until he can't go with her anymore. And we find out that she's not going to jail. She's in a mental hospital. So yeah, she is strapped to a bed in a cell that has like one little window that allows the orderlies to watch her. Mm-hmm. And so Candyman in a weird scene flies over the bed asking for a kiss. Oh, gross. <laughs> you just kill my best friend. Like no way. Yeah. <laughs> no way that's happening (laughs) and so she starts screaming that he's like he's in here he's under the bed he's it's a weird scene the orderlies come in and they give her more drugs you know because they think she's having a mental breakdown she's freaking out Mm -hmm. you can tell that Candyman has this weird infatuation with her right I feel like we still low-key kind of don't get it but whatever Mm -hmm. and then we see a brief scene of baby Anthony with the Candyman so baby Anthony is still alive and he feeds the baby what looks like honey from his finger and it's like oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Mm-mm. Now here's the part that's crazy to me. It's a new day, and some orderlies take Helen in a wheelchair to the office of a psychiatrist, psychologist named Dr. Burke. Now the male orderly is a real butthole, being weird. But when Helen talks to the doctor, she realizes that she has been in this mental hospital for a month. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> What did they do? (laughs) (laughs) They drugged her up that she missed a month of her life. And then immediately I was like, the candy man took care of a baby for a month. (laughs) (laughs) He also let her live for a month, like in the freaking asylum and let her sit there. Like, why? I don't get it. What is happening? (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. The doctor is trying to assess if she's competent enough to stand trial for the murder of Bernadette. And so the doctor asks her what happened and he shows her a video of her reacting to Candyman when he was like flying over her. But Candyman, of course, is not visible on the photo, the video, excuse me. And so Helen says that she can prove that she didn't 
do it or commit these murders or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then she says that she can call Candyman and she proceeds to look at a nearby mirror and call him five times. Now, I don't know what she was expecting. Hey, don't know what she was expecting to happen (laughs) personally, but suddenly Dr. Burke gets stabbed from behind and Candyman is grunting and being weird. (laughs) He was making like weird noises. (laughs) When Candyman was stabbing this man, it was so weird i really did not like he was just taking so much pleasure in it i just maybe it was like oh she called me forth and brought me another victim <laughs> maybe that was what was going on. <laughs> i don't know it was very strange i was like oh, this is so, gross. <laughs> so he says to helen you're mine now and tonight our congregation will witness a miracle and it's like girl what are you talking what is he talking about okay right. and so He ends up removing the restraints from Helen's hands. And then he does what I think is actually kind of cool. This weird backwards fly out of the window. (laughs) (laughs) Like a vampire. (laughs) When he flies out of the window backwards, I was like, that's actually kind of (laughs) neat. I enjoyed that. It was funny to me. And so the alarm sounds in the hospital. And so Helen escapes out of that room through the window and like creeps and holds on to the wall when she gets let into another room by a nurse there. She ends up hurting the nurse right away, like banging the nurse head against the floor and stealing the nurse's clothes and keys to escape. Helen manages to leave there and she runs home to find that her apartment door is open. Upon entering, she sees that the place is being repainted. All the furniture is like taken away from the walls. It's covered in plastic. And the room is being painted this ugly salmon color. (laughs) (laughs) And who's there painting it and changing the room? But Stacy. The freaking student. The little (laughs) college student. Yeah. That's inappropriate. Yeah. That's wild. She's moved her. It's been a month. And she is like, she's finally gone. She's out of here. Come on. (laughs) Come come live with me. Stacy is startled, of course. Right. If my man's murderous wife popped out of nowhere when she was supposed to be in a mental hospital, I'd be scared. <laughs> Stacy was freaking out. <laughs> Stacey like, well, I'm dead. <laughs> dead. <laughs> she murdered her best friend. There's no way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm making it out of this one, right? <laughs> and so Stacy, of course, is startled and crying, and she calls for Trevor, and Trevor tries to talk to her like a little baby or whatever. And of course, Helen is just, you know, she's upset. She's distraught. She is low key at one point kind of using her power to scare Stacy even more. <laughs> she's like, Yeah, go ahead and call the police. Call, mm-hmm. yeah, get the phone. <laughs> yeah. Get the phone and call them. <laughs> yeah, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to just move, first off. To have a relationship with the student is so inappropriate. Right. But then to like move her into your house shortly after your wife, your wife is accused of murdering yeah. other people. That's crazy. Come on in. Redecorate. Make yourself at home. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't understand that. There are just some men who can't function without a woman in their life. And it's like, grow up. <laughs> <laughs> But Helen, of course, is upset. But in my estimation, she's not upset enough. Right. Yes, I've been like, but... Candyman, come on. <laughs> Girl, I was like, I was halfway there, too. <laughs> but Helen, you know, is getting upset. And she's like, I'm not a murderer. Trevor, you are all that I had left. Trevor is low-key scared or whatever. And so Helen leaves the apartment. And then Trevor goes to immediately pick up the phone. In the next scene, we see Helen on a bridge and she hears Candyman saying that, you know, everyone who you cared about is gone and all you have left is my desire for you. So 
in the way of many abusers, he has basically isolated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she doesn't have the support of her best friend or her husband, her colleagues, nobody. The people in the hood think she kidnapped a baby. Yeah. There's literally <laughs> nobody on her side. Which to me is very strange. He could have just killed her. But instead, he's playing this weird long game of isolating her from all the people who care about her in her life. She was in a institution for a month. Like, what are you doing, Candyman? Just kill this lady. Like, <laughs> Do nothing. It's like, Yeah, he's just being a weirdo. Mm-hmm. But of course, Helen makes her way to Cabrini Green. And she goes back to Candyman's lair, which is now covered in blood. She picks up a hook that's laying around and climbs up the next floor using the debris in this room. It's very strange Mm -hmm. because as she was taking photos, there was no indication that she knew there was an additional room that she could go up into, which is very weird. But she goes up onto the next floor into this room. It's very large has graffiti all over the place. Like, this is legit where Candyman be hanging out. Right? right. But in this room, there's a mural on the wall that's a painting of Candyman being chased by the hooligans who killed him. And she turns around to see that Candyman is asleep. Why is this thing sleeping? Like, this is not a real person. Like, yes. he's not alive. I was like, why does he need to why is he sleep in a vulnerable state? That's weird. Right. I don't get it. I low-key don't understand what type of creature Candyman is supposed to be. Because on one hand, he's sleeping. On the other hand, he's able to kind of teleport and kind of just show up in different places in a way that's like Mm non-human. But then when the lady described him earlier, she said he lives in Cabrini Green. So he kind of has like a house, (laughs) like a person. And it's like, I don't understand what you are. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't understand what you're supposed to be, but... Anyways, he's on this stone slab asleep. She approaches him and she stabs him in the neck with the hook. He bleeds a little bit, but he's mostly unaffected. So it's like, okay, he's not human because that would have killed somebody, but he's okay. Like he barely flinched. And so she's like, I'm here turning myself in so you can, you know, so we don't kill baby Anthony, right? Like my life for his life. Turning himself in, he can get to you at any chance. I don't know what's going on. This story is odd. Then the Candyman does this weird speech about how, you know, because she has decided to be his victim, that the faithful followers will always remember them. And he's like, the pain will be exquisite, but there's nothing to be afraid of. And again, it's this very kind of seductive and sensual, terrifying speech (laughs) that's supposed to be like romantic and kind of Phantom of the Opera-ish. And I'm like, "Mm -mm, I don't like it. <laughs> I hate it personally. <laughs> yeah. To me, I'm going to say this and I probably will regret it. It comes across to me as this weird kind of like fantasy, like black man, white lady fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get what you're saying. It's weird. Yeah. It's so weird. But then suddenly there are bees on Helen's hand and in the Candyman's chest cavity and in the Candyman's mouth. <laughs> and then he kisses her with bees in his mouth. <laughs> And she falls asleep. And it's like, what is this? <laughs> what is it? I don't know. I don't know why she go to sleep. And why, is she not, why is she still alive? Like, what's going on? Right. And then the Candyman grabs the baby. So we see that part. When Helen wakes up, she's still in the Candyman's lair on that little stone tablet or whatever she's on. And she sees writing on the walls that says, it was always you, Helen. So when she looks closer at the mural on the wall... 
what I was gathering is that we're made to believe that the woman he fell in love with back in the day that got him killed actually looked something like Helen, which explains his obsession with her and maybe why he didn't kill her right away and why he seems to have more romantic thoughts and feelings about her than his other victims. Are you buying this? <laughs> no, I just like, this is weird. No, she turns herself in and yet she's still, you've not done whatever you're supposed to do. She was sleeping. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's weird. So Helen goes outside to see that baby Anthony was placed inside this big bonfire pile. This bonfire pile is very big. Maybe like 15 feet tall. Yeah, it's weird. It's like, wow, this looks like an uncontrollable situation. Like it could turn into, I don't know what kind of bonfire that is. Also, because Jake mentioned earlier that it was supposed to be for a bonfire. And it's like, it's been over a month (laughs) since they had that conversation. When is this bonfire supposed to happen? (laughs) When is this bonfire supposed to be? Didn't make sense to me. But anyway, the baby is in there somewhere. Helen hears the baby crying. And of course... She's going to go rescue the baby, right? Mm-hmm. So she climbs into the pile, but in her hand, she has a hook. Why is she just picking up random weapons? Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> she had the knife in her hand when Bernadette got killed because she was going to try to use the knife on the candy man. But she ended up falling and that didn't work mm-hmm. out. And she also picked up the butcher knife when the dog's head was cut off. Yeah. <laughs> now, she, now she has a hook in her hand. And Jake sees or like hears some movement in the pile and he sees the hook as she's trying to climb and get to baby Anthony. So Anthony believes that Candyman is inside the pile of debris. And he's like, we finna get this. Yeah. <laughs> we finna get the Candyman, okay? Oh, Jesus. Hats off to Jake for being about it. (laughs) (laughs) So Jake gets some of his hood friends and they start pouring gasoline onto the pile so they can set set it on (laughs) fire. I don't know why this is so funny to me. They start putting gasoline on it. And they're doing that right as Helen finds the baby. And so the whole neighborhood comes out to watch the bonfire burned this urban legend that's been plaguing their community, mm-hmm. right? Like, they really want to get rid of this urban legend. Which I don't blame them. Keep killing people and nobody cares, right? So, Candyman, right as Helen finds the baby, holds her in the fire. He appears out of nowhere and basically holds her in the fire say, like, you can't leave. Like, I knew you would come for the baby. We're going to die together <laughs> in this fire. You're already <laughs> dead. What are you talking about? <laughs> Right. So not only is he killing Helen so that they can be together forever, he's also killing this baby for no reason. And it's like, how many children are you going to kill, Candyman? Like, jeez. <sighs> the baby didn't yeah. even say so your name. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And even the little baby from the first story, like that little baby was asleep while his babysitter was full la la with, you know, the neighborhood bad boy. Collateral, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Feels the need to shed innocent blood. I wish they would have made a connection to the fact that he had a child that he never probably got to meet. Right. Because, you know, the girl who was with did get pregnant, but they never made that connection. So, yeah. I'm trying to remember the other movies, but I can't. There's something like that or something. Mm, never mind. <laughs> but no, he just killed yeah. people. Just, <laughs> just to be killing people. So the Candyman didn't keep his word. 
And he's like, if we die together, we never have to be separated again. So he really sees his old lady from the 1890s in Helen. Mm -hmm. Weird. (laughs) And so Helen kind of sees or envisions the cold dead eyes of Anne Marie, Anthony's mother. And she uses a flaming stake, like a wooden stake, to stab the candy man so she can escape and save the baby. And I'm like, how is he burning? How does that affect him? How is he burning? He's dead. He's like this like power or presence that's not not alive. So I don't know. Right. She stabbed him in the neck with a hook. That didn't work. Right. But she stabs him with a wooden stake and it's okay. Guess the fire stake like a vampire. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't freaking know. Whatever it was, it worked. So he ends up being kind of engulfed in flames and is distracted enough for her to kind of try to get away Mm -hmm. right so she can save the baby so Candyman is flailing all over the place because he's on fire but the bonfire of course the structure starts to lose some integrity as things are burning up and Helen and her wig get engulfed in flames (laughs) (laughs) that little wig looked (laughs) awful I will say that the effects of her being trapped underneath some of the flaming beans Mm -hmm. or wood or whatever was actually pretty decent up until the part where they showed her yeah (laughs) but So she ends up getting trapped, but manages to work her way out of the bonfire. So some of the locals see her and they try to smother the flames. And Candyman is saying, come back to me. (laughs) (laughs) And so a very bald and burnt Helen returns a unscathed baby baby. Anthony to his mother. Yes. Right. And so Candyman explodes. (laughs) Candyman kind of blows up. (laughs) he's upset that he didn't get what he wanted and so helen died y'all she died in that fire saving the little black baby anthony and we're at her funeral the only people at her funeral are her husband (laughs) his mistress and the other two guys from that weird academic dinner that we saw earlier Mm -hmm. in the movie her casket gets dropped into the ground and then a line of lots of people from the cabrini green community come to pay their respects to Helen. And so Jake brings her a hook, Candyman's hook, presumably, and drops it into the hole. And that is the community's way of saying thank you for, I guess, bringing the baby. No, why? Why would y'all And helping us kill Candyman? That hook in my freaking grave. I don't want that. That's not mine. (laughs) Right. It's very weird. Right. Yeah. (laughs) We switched the scene and Trevor is in the bathroom of his apartment, deep in thought. And his young girlfriend, Stacy, is basically getting on his nerves. <laughs> I think she kind of wants him to move on from his yeah, dead yeah. wife. <laughs> Considering how he had moved on when she was still alive, she's like, mm, the girl's dead now. Like, we can be together and it's okay. But Trevor is kind of like really down and upset that she passed away. Mm-hmm. He probably actually really cared about her. And he's going through it. So... <sighs> This is crazy. He feels guilt and regret as he should. So he goes to the bathroom mirror. He says Helen's name five times in the weirdest way. There was almost no natural way for them to do this. Did that feel natural at all? No. It's like, why would you do that? (laughs) (laughs) Why would you do that? Oh, gosh. It would be one thing if he said maybe one time, like, damn it, Helen, like, that would be one thing. But for him to kind of weirdly say her name five times and turn out the lights before he said her name the fifth time. What makes you do that? (laughs) It doesn't feel natural. But anyway, after the fifth time, Helen appears and asks Trevor if he's scared or something. And then, of course, he's freaking out. 
and she kills him in Candyman fashion with her her burned skull. Did you see the burns on her hair was almost fashioned into like a weird finger wave situation? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't really. <laughs> if you look, if you look at the makeup. So they put a lot of emphasis on her scalp being burned, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like her face is normal and only her scalp was burned. And so the scars from her being burned is fashioned into almost a hairdo. Like in my, <laughs> <laughs> the way it looks for me, it's kind of okay. weird. Yes, but she kills him in Candyman fashioned and Stacy finds his dead body. The movie ends with a mural of Helen where she has been painted as like a savior slash angelic figure. Because I guess not only did she bring Anthony back to the fold, she also helped them kill Candyman. I guess. (laughs) What do you think about that ending? (laughs) I don't know, but it's like, okay, why did she kill Trevor? Like, so she like the new Candyman now? Like, why did she become that? Like, well, the other piece of it was the idea that Candyman was like, this is our legend and our congregation and you should join me in being an urban legend. So I think that piece still holds true of like, if she died in a tragic fashion, Mm -hmm. she could be have her own urban legend, I guess. And she was like, yeah. <laughs> or did she not have a choice? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if, had if that she... other woman, but that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Was it like, especially for Trevor? Or <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right. did she come back? Did she come back for him specifically? I don't know. The other piece of it is that the way she died feels different. Like the community technically kind of murdered her, but they mm-hmm. didn't know she was in there. It was an accident. Whereas... <laughs> Candyman was purposely killed because he was a black man. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This story is crazy and has so many holes. Like personally, <laughs> it does. Yeah. So that's the end of Candyman, y'all. At the end of every review, we ask if a movie is worth a rewatch and if it holds up today. Arabia, what do you think? <sighs> worth a rewatch? I don't think so. I don't know. <laughs> it's not like it's bad. It's just kind of like the story is nuts. Like I rewatched it during quarantine and we like all watched all of them. And when you watch all of them, you're just like the madness just spirals <laughs> into like all of the stories. And it's like, I don't really know if I want to watch this again. Like it was like mm-hmm. when I watched it today, I was like, you know, I like scary movies. So it wasn't, you know, bad, even though it's not really that scary to me anymore. But it kind of just doesn't feel like something I want to watch again to me. And like holding up, I mean, I guess if you've never seen it before, sure, watch it. But mm-hmm. it holds up. I mean, the quality of the movie was fine. I mean, some of the stuff was bad because it was like older and stuff like that held up. But the story is weird. And it's like, it doesn't is. really understand what's going right. on. It's not cohesive enough for me. Right. So yeah, for me, I feel more like you where it's like the rewatchability is pretty low. <laughs> personally Mm -hmm. i feel like even though this movie is an older movie i feel like the effects and the gore are actually kind of okay still minus the dog's decapitated head (laughs) and that weird spurting thing that there's still a lot of blood and stuff and the makeup for her like swollen eye some of that stuff still actually held up for me so it's kind of hit or miss on that i also found that generally that like none of the stuff was particularly so old that it's off-putting when it comes to like the visuals or like not being able to understand what's happening but Mm -hmm. because the story uniquely centers a black villain with a storied past there's a little something refreshing about the story of it being focused on like a black villain. Yeah. I won't rewatch it. 
<laughs> like personally, but if you enjoy horror movies and you aren't bothered by movies that don't make no sense, then like <laughs> you, should, you could definitely rewatch it. I won't be rewatching it though. It's just like if you've never seen it, okay, watch yeah. it. But like it's not one of the older scary movies that I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll watch that again. I, I probably won't unless it just randomly on or someone's like, ah, I probably won't watch that again. Yeah, for me, it's not my favorite horror. It's also not that scary to me anymore. Yeah. But I do like the black aspect is probably the only thing that we need some more of. Yes. When it comes to the story holding up today, I feel like the answer for sure is like, not really. <laughs> like, not only is the story like not cohesive enough, I feel like the depictions of like the community members of Cabrini Green are particularly bad. Yeah. I also feel like there were some like interracial relationship fetishization going on, which... Is weird. And then also like white saviorism. Like yeah. this lady shows up to their neighborhood to do academic research to advance her education. She ends up dying and now she's like white savior lady. Yeah. And it's like, she kind of old y'all. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, why does she get her own mural on the wall? Like she's kind of the reason the baby went missing in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> she she kind of did this to you guys. Yeah, so why are we at this lady's funeral, you know, dropping gifts in the casket? You know, it's, <sighs> yeah, I don't like that. Candyman is like this crazy indiscriminate killer. I don't like that. I feel like even villains typically kind of have their limits. And Candyman killed everybody. <laughs> Except this white lady. <laughs> he, even in the end, he still technically, I guess, didn't kill her. But he almost killed a second baby, but he killed a baby. He killed, mm -hmm. you know, horny teenagers. He killed a black lady and who was just trying to bathe in the projects. He killed a special needs child in a particularly brutal way. Yeah. He terrorized this neighborhood of impoverished people who were just very afraid of him. I feel like he is a villain whose only real kind of like two-dimensional sticking point was his infatuation with this white lady. And it's like, no, he should have more depth than that. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I feel he like it's kind of like a slasher film where like everyone just gets killed. And that's kind of what it is. But it could have had more to it. I mean, if everyone got killed, then Helen would have been dead halfway. Well, that's the, the only thing that's weird. It's like he didn't kill her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And then he also killed people who didn't call his name. I mean, Bernadette ended up getting killed for pretty much no reason. Yeah, being there. Right. And it's, I don't know. Some of the things have like no real rhyme or reason to me, right? Like Candyman makes a deal with Helen and then goes back on his word. And then he has this weird seductive manner of terrorizing Helen that's crazy and mm -hmm. Ill yucky. Helen has this crazy white lady audacity. <laughs> just going into people's neighborhoods and like not respecting their traditions and not being safe which of course is not smart and like even though it's admirable that she say baby anthony again i really don't like the white savior lady who killed Candyman and kind of took his place or whatever and it's like are we trying to say that helen isn't like the other white people that came to cabrini green that she's one of the good ones i don't know and then why is she turning into a killer at the end though by killing trevor right i don't, I don't Right. The story doesn't sit right with me. It's not cohesive. We can't figure out if Candyman is like a demon 
if he is a physical being that can be harmed because he took a hook to the neck like nothing but then a stake that's on fire basically explodes (laughs) (laughs) we can't he appears out of nowhere but then he also sleeps in like a lair (laughs) and lives in the projects like i don't understand this creature (laughs) right i don't understand either it doesn't like his they all don't make sense those different aspects of him like right they don't go together Right. And then I feel like Candyman did this weird, very human thing where he isolated everyone from Helen by framing her for murders. And it's like, that is not what a villain does. <laughs> that's like an abusive husband. That's like, <laughs> that's what like an abusive human would do to her. But for him to like frame her for kidnapping and killing a dog and killing her best friend and isolating her from her husband. And why is he playing mind games? I've watched some other things where the villain does do that. They'll like try to isolate the person that they're after. And it's more, they usually like justify it because it'll be better for them to, once they do kill them, like that's what they like. They want to do that because it's like, makes them tastier like pretty much in a way <laughs> so i have watched other movies where the scary villain has like make the person kind of go crazy or look crazy but not often i feel like i've only seen that with human villains i don't know that i've seen that with like these supernatural villains there's a new movie that came out a few years ago where i guess i don't know if they did it on purpose it just kind of happened because nobody else could see this thing and so that's why the person went crazy though off the top of my head i can't come up with the actual one I have seen it before. The Invisible Man? Oh, no. I was thinking of Smile. The movie Smile that came out oh, a few years ago. Oh, I haven't seen ago. Smile. Mm-mm. Yeah, she got, like, got isolated. Or the person, or whoever, got isolated eventually. before. But she- is that movie a psychological thriller? I don't think so. Because if the idea is to, like, mess with this person psychologically, and it's a psychological thriller, it makes sense to isolate them. Yeah. This movie, I don't consider no. to be one of those. Because it literally took this man at least five weeks to get her where he wanted her. When he could have <laughs> killed her. He has so many opportunities. She spent at least a month in that... <laughs> she spent at least a month in the psych ward. Yeah. And, and then- showed up to break her out of the psych ward. I don't understand. It Like, he was playing the long game. And it's like, just kill her. it doesn't make sense to me but yeah the acting performances were okay and i get that like the story is iconic but it is written by a white guy it's also inspired by a story who was written by a white guy so to me that partially explains like the weird elements of like Ooh, I'm a big, scary black man after this white lady. Yeah. And all the people who live in Cabrini Green are awful and criminals. And yeah, that's Mm -hmm. (laughs) some of those elements you could see seeping into here. And and I like that in the later versions of Candyman, particularly the latest one that Jordan Peele was involved in, there's this kind of reclamation of the story Mm -hmm. that has Candyman being more of a kind of defender as opposed to this indiscriminate killer that kills everybody except for the white lady he's attracted to (laughs) yeah so overall i think that the story in the 1992 form does not hold up that's personally for me but yeah on rotten tomatoes the critics gave this movie a score of 79 percent, while the audience gave it a score of 63 percent. what do you think about those ratings rotten tomatoes is actually kind of high and like surprising Mm -hmm. i mean well like they're weird though but it's just like i wouldn't rate it that high that people wouldn't make sense with the Rotten choice one. It's a little high. I mean, rotten tomatoes. (laughs) Right. I thought it was a little high as far as the critic score, too. I think the audience's score makes a little bit more sense. I might rate it even a little bit lower. (laughs) Yes. Like I said, the story don't make no sense. But yeah, 
overall i won't be watching this movie again i don't recommend (laughs) (laughs) i recommend if you've never seen it before just to get that it's kind of like iconic movie from then if you've never seen it before but like if you're like huh maybe i should watch it again don't because when i did don't worry about it yeah yeah (laughs) don't watch the rest of the sequels maybe check out the newest one the recreation with jordan yes because what I will say is when I was rewatching this, I saw the Jordan Peele one maybe a couple of years ago and I was able to draw a lot of connections mm-hmm. because I hope this doesn't spoil it for anybody. But the main character and the latest Candyman is the baby from this movie, Baby Anthony. Mm-hmm. And they even brought back Anne Marie's, yeah, the actress who played Anne Marie, Vanessa Williams, to play in that movie as well. So some of the stuff was connecting for me as I was rewatching. Yeah, but. so it was like actual sequel that made more sense mm-hmm. <laughs> that didn't just go yes. off the wall because it's like three i think it's like three of them three sequels two or three right they put him in a different location and changed <laughs> the whole story like what the, yeah the heck? anyways so yeah well thank you all so much for tuning into uh, sub media reviews for the 1992 Candyman movie review featuring my sister arabia did you rewatch this movie recently does it still hold up for you share your thoughts with us on social media on youtube instagram and facebook we want to hear from you i want to say a super special thanks to arabia for being here today to share her thoughts on this film say bye arabia bye guys i had fun as always see you next time (laughs) Of course. Well, join us next time for our third Black History Month movie review when I review Sister, Sister. You don't want to miss it. Peace out. Thanks for listening to Sub Media Reviews. I hope you enjoyed our trip down memory lane just as much as I did. If you have any suggestions for movies or TV shows you'd like me to review next, or if you just want to share your thoughts on today's episode, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Pinterest at Sub Media Reviews and on SubMediaReviews.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you have a moment, please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback helps me improve the show and spread the word to new listeners. So until next time, peace out, home slices. Peace out.